Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us for our series entitled Discover Your Design. We believe that God gives every one of us unique gifts, and if we discover what they are and how we can use them to serve others, it can bring incredible fulfillment to our lives. Enjoy this week's message. Such a privilege to be here with all of you this morning. I want to welcome those of you watching online, part of the Milestone family. On your way back in, we hope you have a great worship experience. I also want to welcome those of you online who just started joining us these last couple weeks, been hanging out with us. So good to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Jed. I'm part of our teaching team. I'm excited to continue this series, Discover Your Design. Before we do uh, go much further, let me just say this. We're at this unprecedented moment in American history, really, and all of us have been affected in some way or another, and so we're wrestling and we're struggling and we're trying to do our best to get through it, and if you're here and you're like, man, I'm I'm concerned about my job, we understand. If you're concerned about your finances or your health or the health of a loved one, we understand. Maybe you're upset about the racial injustice and you're, you're angry and you're, you're like, I'm not feeling myself, I'm in pain, I'm trying my best. It's okay, wherever you're at, we're so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're watching online and our prayer is that you'd be encouraged, that God would speak to you and he would help you because we all need a little extra grace in this moment. We need a little perspective to know what we're feeling and the things that we feel like we're up against. It's not gonna always be this way. God's gonna move and help us. So just a thought as we begin our time this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter two. On our way to Colossians, I wanted to share with you what's really a life verse for me. So if you don't have your Bible, that's okay, we'll put it up on the screen for you. But on our way to Colossians 2, I want to stop in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2.10. Really became a life verse for me as a teenager. Now you may not realize this but by looking at me, but that was a long, long time ago. My kids remind me frequently that it was a long time ago. But but here's the verse, Ephesians 2.10. Incredible. It literally changed the trajectory of my life and my relationship with God. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. Now, if you have an NIV, that word there is handiwork. That doesn't mean as much to me because I'm not real handy. Um, If you have an NLT or a message Bible, they say masterpiece. Here's the idea. We, you and me, are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, meaning he created you uniquely, specifically, intentionally, with incredible design and affection and love. This doesn't even do it full justice, but imagine how Van Gogh felt about Starry Night. That's one of my favorites. You think about this incredible work of art and the care and intentionality. That's how God looks at you. Some of you, if you only got that this morning, maybe watching online, if you only really truly believed that God looks at you like that, that would be enough to encourage you this morning. But the verse doesn't end there. I love what it goes on to say, where it's workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's a purpose for your life. There's a plan uniquely designed for you. This whole Christian life is not just about trying to be a spiritual person and don't mess up so that at the end you'll be ushered into his presence in heaven. No disrespect to heaven, but there's way more to the story than that. There's a purpose, there's a design, there's work, there's, there's a fulfillment, there's a gift that you have to offer, and really what's, that's what this series is all about. It changed my relationship with God when I understood he created me uniquely 
because he has a plan and a purpose and there's something that I have to offer that's valuable, that, that could advance his kingdom and bring glory to him and bless other people. And that's true for all of us. Wherever you're at, God wants you to know you're his workmanship. He's got a plan for you and you may feel like, my life doesn't make sense, there's not a lot of design. Are you sure that's true? Yes. This is the overwhelming consensus of scripture. God has a plan for your life. He loves you, he designed you the way that he did for his purpose. Now that can be tricky, but I think we like it. It sounds so cool, what a great idea. There's a plan for your life. There's gifts inside of you. We like hearing that we have gifts. We like hearing that we're valuable, that we're special, that we have something to offer. We like taking assessments. Anybody like taking assessments? I take all of the assessments, right? So Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ, except when I'm an ENFP, like I'm both. You know, we take that one, we take the disc, I'm an I and a D. Right, like, okay, some of you, this is gonna be hurtful, but it's not meant to be, I love you. I've tried like 17 times, including this week, to do the Enneagram, I don't get it. I'm a little four, a little three, a little two, that makes me feel like I don't even know what I am, I don't know what my wing is. I tried, it's murky, right? Like the monk's gotta work more on the Enneagram, I feel like it's in process, it's not there yet. My daughter said, Dad, there's a new one you gotta try. I was like, I like new ones, let's take it, right? The big five personality test, I took it, we're talking about it, introversion, being open, all these different, it's cruel, it's like you're learning about yourself. And of course, my favorite that I've coached people for years, the one I think that's better than the rest of them is the strength finder because it's a neurological exam. But we do all these tests because we're trying to figure out who am I, God, how'd you make me, how do I use, what's the right job, what's the right friendships, how's my life supposed to fit just right? And however that is, the good news is God has a plan for you. The bad news is it's kind of hard to figure out what that is sometimes. I know I'm not the only one who's probably in a moment of honesty and transparency had a conversation with God that goes a little something like this. What were you thinking? Like, have you seen me? Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. You know, as a young guy, you could tell I have red hair and um, there's not that many of us. And... Um, as a kid, you're not prepared for every new interaction with a stranger to be based on your appearance, but you kind of get used to it after a while. There's been studies that have been done that redheads have higher senses of humor because we just have to, because right, like there's only so much redhead and carrot top and all that, you know, and, and, and so you, you have moments where you're like, God, what would it be like if my hair was different, right? Like I'd wonder, like what would it, if I went blonde, how would the world react to me, right? Like I never did it. Right? You think, God, what, what, it could have been so different, God. What would it feel like to have a tan? <laughs> I'll never know. I don't even know what it's like to go outside in the Texas heat for six minutes without a sunburn, right? Like, I'm a unique guy, I'm kind of unusual, right? Like, my name's Jed, I was 30 years old before I met somebody else's name whose name was Jed, right? Like, I heard the Beverly Hillbilly song all the time. I heard all these people who'd be like, your name's what? And I was all these different things, and the truth is, my name's not even just Jed, my name is Jedediah. Try that one at the DMV. I appreciate the love. Mom, if that was you, thank you, where my mom is. You make peace with it, you talk to God. You know, honestly, I love the name Jedediah, it means loved by the Lord, so. If I got nothing else, at least I got that going for me. So you try and sort it out. You're trying to figure out, okay, God, why am I the way I am? Why did you make me the way you did? And we're trying to figure it out, and it's, it's deeply personal, and it means a lot, and it affects our emotions, and it makes us frustrated with other people. And let's be honest, as much as we struggle to figure out what's going on in us, 
We also are not alone in this world and we're living with all these other people and these people that we love and care about and we're trying to understand why did God make you the way he made you? And the truth is, we all struggle. We all have blind spots. We all have ways where we miss it. See, because none of us wants to be put in a box no one is just one thing. We're all complex. You might look at me and you know, if we're just meeting, you're like, okay, there's a guy named Jed. He lives in Texas. He definitely likes country music. Well, I, I've tried. I'm not quite there yet. I like some country music. I'm more of a hip-hop guy. And so people go, oh, I get it, hip-hop. Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer. No, no, not those guys. Never those guys. And you're like, no, no, you're, you're not getting me right? Because we're, we're complex. None of us are just one thing, but all of us trying to understand others, our brains crave simplicity. So we're trying to go like Pastor Jeff said a moment ago, just bottom line it for me, make it simple. And we try to understand. But a lot of times when we try to understand and make it simple, we miss the uniqueness of the person next to us, which creates challenges and makes us feel distant and disconnected. As you study this, you realize really intelligent people, they're a group of psychology, this, even further than psychology, behavioral uh, economy, they, they talk about this thing called cognitive bias. I've been studying this for the last couple years. There are more than 200 different kinds of cognitive bias. And cognitive bias are things in our mind which cause us to see things and see people in a way that's not true or that's not real or that's not accurate or that's not the way that they would represent themselves. You're like, I don't know if I have one of those, Jed. You do, it's okay, we all have them. There's a bunch of different ones, but I think one that's fascinating to me is one called fundamental attribution error. There will not be a test, don't worry about it, just go with me, trust me, you have it. Here's what fundamental attribution error does in all of our brains. I judge you, we do the same thing. You do the same thing that I do. I judge you based on your character. I excuse myself based on my circumstances. So we're back on the road, right? We're all back on the road now and I, I like to drive fast within the speed limit for those of you watching. And um, I like to be in the left lane. So I like to, if someone's in the left lane clogging it up, it kind of throws the whole system off. So I, I try, I don't have that great of self-control in this area. So when you get up to the person who's slowing everybody else down, I wish I had better self-control and I didn't look. My wife is always like, don't look, but I have to. I'm curious by nature. And so uh, a lot of times you look nowadays and why are they slow in the left-hand lane? Because they're on their, their phones, right? Yeah, millennials, what are we gonna do with them? Um, no, not just them, no, you're not the only ones who do it, but you are pretty good at it. Anyways, we probably don't need you to live stream while you're in the left lane, at least kind of pull over to the right, at least. A lot of people will tell you that driving while you're on your phone is more dangerous than driving while you're intoxicated. Don't test the methods, just trust us, it's bad, okay? So when you see someone, you're like, why are you doing that? Of course, that's how we think about that person. What's wrong with them? They need to grow up, get character, think of others, not be so selfish. But if it's us, and if we start the day with a heated conversation with our spouse, or maybe we're talking to our teenager, and we're trying to connect with them, and we've struggled to break through, and, and, and you have a moment, and you, you, you leave the house, and you're wrestling with it, and you're anxious, and you're like, am I gonna get through this? Is it gonna get better? And so you're on the way to work, and you're driving, and you get the little ping on your phone that a notification comes through, and it's a text from your spouse or your teenager. And in your mind you know, I should wait till I'm at an appropriate safe place, but your heart is so connected to that relationship, 
All of a sudden you pick up the phone and you're looking and now you're the person who's slowing everybody else down but because of the moment and the circumstance, it's so important to you and if someone looked from a distance, you'd think, what's wrong with them? But if, when it's you, you realize this is an important moment. See, we all have challenges. We all need help to see how we're wired and how we're, we're constructed in our design and really growth only comes when you're willing to be honest and to get feedback from other people. I mentioned this idea of racial injustice. I had the privilege this week, Pastor Jeff called a meeting with some of our African-American staff and leaders and interracial couples and he called them in and said, we, we wanna hear from you, we wanna understand and I got to sit in the meeting and I gotta tell you, it was so humbling and I learned so much. It was such a privilege to listen to them, to be courageous and to be vulnerable and to say, here's what we want you to understand. Here's what it feels like. Here's what empathy looks like in this moment. Here's what it looks to support us and to stand with us and man, it was so encouraging and humbling to get that information and to understand by myself, on my own, projecting my experience onto them, I would not understand and I would be lesser if I didn't grow and if I didn't consider I'm not seeing it right. See, in our relationship with Jesus, it's a point of, of strength to be humble enough to know, God, where I'm not seeing it right, would you help me grow? Would you help my heart to change? I was fascinated, I saw this week, in the areas that we care deeply about, it's so hard for us to change. Two neuroscientists at a university that happens to be the University of Southern California, fight on, one of the greatest universities in the world. Not Jerusalem on the Brazos, but it's powerful. Uh, two neuros I went there if you didn't realize it. Two neuroscientists at USC found this, that in the areas we care about most, Changing our mind has the emotional effect of being chased by a bear. It's hard for us. Deep change in how we see the world is hard for us, but it can be done. We can grow, we can change, we can become the person God created us to be. And you know the real truth, all those assessments I was talking about? You know what the real value is? They help us understand a little bit, but they help us understand the people we love and interact with so much more. And if we're gonna grow and discover our design, we need to grow and understand the people that God's placed us with. So which all this brings us back to, you thought I forgot, but I didn't, Colossians chapter two. I love this little letter, the letter to the people of Colossians, people of Colossae. The church was founded by Paul's friend Epaphras, Epaphras was a real guy who went to the church in Ephesus, got saved. Paul trained him and then released him to be the pastor in Colossae. What an incredible, cool story. This isn't theory to Paul. He's recognizing people's gifts, training and developing them, and then releasing them into what God called them to do. What a hopeful thing. Now, Paul's actually writing this letter from prison with the help of his friend, Timothy. He and Timothy are working together to write this letter to get to this church. Now this church is struggling with some things that you and I struggle with. Somehow in this church's day-to-day -day life, somebody had told them, you know, Jesus is good, faith is good, those kinds of things are a good starting place, but there's deeper, more important things that you gotta learn. If you're really gonna be progressive, if you're gonna really be wise, if you're really gonna be the person you wanna be, there's other stuff out there you gotta find, and Paul writes the letter to bring them back to the supremacy and the uniqueness of Christ. And if you don't hear anything else, that I say this morning, or you're watching online, please hear this, all the effort, all the energy to discover our gifts and our strengths and assessments, apart from Jesus and the one who made us, will be a lot of work, maybe a little bit helpful, but mainly done in vain, because it's in Christ that we understand who we truly are. So let's look here, Colossians 2, verse six. So then, 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. What a cool little thought. Now, I don't want you to miss this. So just as you received Christ, let me ask you this question. Did any of you save yourselves? Did any of you love Jesus before he first loved you? Did any of you go to God and say, God, here's how it's gonna be? No, if we're in Christ, if we're in relationship with Jesus, it's because he loved us before we loved him. Now I'm belaboring this point for a reason. Our starting in our relationship with Jesus works that way, as does our continuing to walk in him. God's way more invested in your growth, your development, your design, your strengths than even you are. And so it's so important that we understand that so we lean into his plan and his purpose and that'll make more sense in a minute as we keep talking about it. Look what he says, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. As we're thinking about how we're doing mentally and emotionally through this time, I would just encourage you to practice gratitude. That's an all the time thing. Every day, find something to be thankful for. Find something to be grateful for. Find something to not just be a little bit begrudgingly grateful, but overflowing in gratefulness. If we were to stop for a minute and think about, Lord, there's a lot of things going wrong in our world, but here's some things I'm so grateful for, and I don't wanna take those things for granted, we would all be doing better. Look what he goes on to say. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Do you see what Paul's doing here? It's a play on words. Paul's saying, don't get captive through ideas and thoughts and philosophies. I may be in prison right now as I write this, but some of you are in prison because of the lies, the ideas, the philosophies you've allowed yourself to buy into. See, these things depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Here's my goal. I wanna help us see and understand our gifts and how God designed us a little bit differently and then I'm gonna give us some practical steps to grow in them before I pray for you. But, but I wanna come back to this idea of captive. See, the hardest thing about being captive in your thoughts is a lot of times you don't know you're captive. You didn't know the things that you were believing we're holding you back. There's many, many examples I could use, but since we're talking about gifts and design, I thought I'd talk about a few of those. Here's some of the things that I've found in 20-something years of working with people and helping them discover their gifts where people get trapped. Here's a lie. I can choose my gifts. I can choose my gifts. See, it's well-intended people, and many times parents, many times teachers, many times coaches, they mean the right thing. And they say this to a young person, you can be whatever you wanna be. It sounds so empowering, it sounds so nice, it sounds so loving. The only problem is, it's not true. Now, you're like, whoa, Jed, hold up, you're crushing dreams. Now, I take no pride in being a dream crusher, but, but this is a big deal. And I know this could sound offensive or pretty hard or heavy. I don't mean it to be heavy, but I really do believe it's true. You can't be whatever you wanna be. But the good news is, you could be everything God created you to be. And God knows you better than you know you, and that's really the tension. That's the rub when we start thinking about, I could be whatever I wanna be. I, doesn't, don't anybody else tell me what my gifts are. I know me better than anybody else know me, knows me. That is your privilege to say that. But I would caution you, that leads to a frustrating life. When you come to this place of God, 
I didn't choose you, you chose me and you gave me gifts because you made me and you know me better than I know myself. It takes courage, it takes faith, it takes trust to get to that place, but on the backside of that is the fulfillment and the life that you're looking for. Here's another lie that traps people. No one sees my gifts. No one sees my gifts. In our world of self-promotion and people building their own brand, this is hard. So many people calling attention to themselves and feeling so unheard and unappreciated and unaffirmed. It's a difficult thing. No one sees my gifts. Well, I would suggest this. God sees your gifts because God gave you your gifts and he loves you and he wants to bring you into a place where you can use those gifts. Another one is I have no gifts. There are people who feel this way. It's really tragic. You have a gift. Every person has significant gifts given by God because every person is his workmanship. And then finally, here's a big one. I have no opportunities to use my gifts. Frustrating, struggling. People, people the, the numbers, they fluctuate a little bit, but most numbers tell us that 80%, more than 80% of people in the workplace are dissatisfied. They feel like I'm in the wrong job. If I was in the right job, if I could just find the right job, I'm not, they, this is what they say a lot of times. I'm not passionate about what I do. I would encourage you with this, work was never meant to give you passion. Passion comes from Jesus and the way that he designed you and you bring that passion wherever you go and God moves as you do it for him and through him and in him. I have no opportunity to use my gifts. I know that's hard. Many of you teachers who serve our community, you really wanted to teach the kids and be with the kids and you couldn't and you had distance and you're wrestling with it. Many of you have gifts and things that you do and it's not just your vocation that are your gifts, but you're like, man, I don't have a context to, to really do what God created me to do because of the challenges that I'm up against. But my encouragement to you would be this. God's not limited by your lack of opportunity. God sees you right where you're, at, where, you, where you're at, and he can move the playing field. He can move the circumstances of your life just how he wants to get you right where he wants you to be. It's not a mystery to him where you are or what's happening, even though it feels like a mystery to us. So many stories of the Bible show us this. I love the story of Joseph, the story of Moses, the story of David. Joseph was like, man, I got a dream to impact my nation. I got thrown in a pit that I'm unjustly thrown in prison. God knew right where he was. He didn't have to work on his linked up, LinkedIn profile to get out of prison to get the right promotion. God saw him and pulled him out and put him where he, where he needed to be. And in the same way in your life, if you feel like I have no opportunity, lean into where God has you right now. Be faithful with where you're at right now and he'll bring you to the place he wants you to be. Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Josiah was eight years old, God goes, Josiah, you're in the game. I don't know what you were doing when you were eight. I wasn't the king of Israel. Josiah was. Moses was 80 when he's like, okay, all that other stuff was a setup. It's time to get in the game, Moses. Wherever we are, opportunity can't limit you if you look to God to use your gifts. So here's what I wanna say to you before I pray. How do we strengthen our gifts? How do we grow in these gifts? Well, the first thing is this. We have to see it differently. The first thing is we use our gifts to serve others, not to demand personal recognition. This is where so many of us miss it. Look what the Bible says, 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift. If you got a gift, it's the right gift. It's God's gift. It's a supernatural gift. Use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You are a steward. What does that mean? God entrusted you with his gift and one day you're gonna answer for what you did or didn't do with what he gave you. Not to what he gave to somebody else, not the one you wanted, but the one you got. What did you do with what you got? This is hard for us. Here's the reason I think this is so difficult for us. We have a hard time recognizing that we're not 
our gift. This is especially hard for guys. Why do we care so much about the workplace? Why do we care when we feel like we're being overlooked or undervalued? Because it's not just about our job, it's about who we are as people. But remember, Ephesians 2.10 says, you're his workmanship, he loves you, you're his masterpiece before you do any of the work. See, when the pressure for being a masterpiece, being a handiwork, being valuable, being affirmed is on the outcome of your work, then it becomes you against the rest of the world to get to the right place where you can be who God's called you to be. But when you understand the affirmation, the love, and the approval is not a result of the work, it comes before the work, you're freed to use your gift to serve others. It's such a big deal. It's a massive shift. Most of us have a hard time seeing it because the truth is it doesn't just happen in the workplace. It happens in our homes. And it doesn't just happen in our homes. It happens in my home because I've been living that quarantine life and I got two boys. One is 14, one is nine. They're in a room together. They're very different. My 14-year-old has high emotional intelligence. He's a very cerebral guy. He likes to do design work. He likes computer coding. He's a neat freak. He likes to keep everything clean. He, he's, he says, Dad, I'm a minimalist. I was like, yeah, you're a minimalist except when we go shopping. And then you're a maximalist. You want all kinds of new stuff. But he likes to clean the room and he gets, gets rid of everything and no shelves or he just like keeps it tight and his brother is all over the place. And he's like, dad, he doesn't respect me. He doesn't do what I say. He doesn't recognize my authority. I was like, okay, hang on just a second. <laughs> Have you ever served him? He's like, dad, I will serve him when he honors me. I was like, okay, take a, hang on. Because my nine-year-old is nine and he's, 118 pounds, and uh, Sunday night we were out. Um, I was out taking the trash cans out at 10 o'clock at night, and I got startled. I'm a strong man, but sometimes I get afraid. <laughs> he snuck up behind me. It's 10 o'clock at night. He's in the driveway, and he's doing lawnmowers. I said, son, what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting a workout in, Dad. I'm just getting after it. I was like, son, you're nine. He's like, Dad, I got things I'm doing. I'm gonna be a professional wrestler, I'm gonna be an actor, and then maybe I'll be president. So I was like, you're on the rocks plan, right? Like you're gonna be, and he's like, two tickets to the gun show. He's, he's serious, it's a real deal. They fight each other, they're totally different, and the, each one wants the other one to recognize how great they are. And I keep telling them, if you wanna be recognized as great, if you're looking for affirmation, stop trying to dominate each other and serve each other. And the truth is, it's not just for 14-year-olds and nine-year-olds, it's for all of us. If you want affirmation, if you wanna feel valued, stop trying to be recognized and start serving someone else. God didn't design us to be filled by being recognized by other people. God designed us to be filled by being loved and affirmed by him as we serve someone else. That's how he made all of us. Here's the second thing. Listen to and value the gifts of others. Now this is a really tricky one for me. This is so personal, it doesn't come naturally to me. I'm much more of a learner than I am a listener, right? I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks, and for efficiency's sake, you can learn a lot more when you crank up the speed. So I listen to audiobooks and podcasts at two times speed. My kids will get in the car, they're like, is that even English? I was like, shh, I'm listening about neuroscience. They're like, dad, you have problems. And so I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm growing. But here's the thing, you can't serve someone you won't listen to. What do my kids want as I'm coaching them and developing? They want me to listen to them. They're like, Dad, less coaching, less preaching, 
more listening. So I've been working really hard on how do I become a better listener? And I found out there's this thing called active listening. There are four pieces to active listening if we're gonna grow and get better. The first one is we have to concentrate. You look at them, you put your phones down, you're not watching, you're not doing other things, you're not multitasking, you're concentrating. Your body language says, you're important, I'm listening to you. You understand what they're saying. You're saying, okay, I'm hearing you say this, is that right? You're responding, asking follow-up questions, and then you remember, all of us can get better in this. Here's the reality, the thing that makes listening tough is listening and valuing other people's gifts forces us to admit we don't have it all figured out and we can't do this all by ourselves. See, somehow in our modern world, we think with enough apps and enough help and enough technology, by ourselves, we could just control everything. And you know what? You can't. And that approach to life is killing us. We're more technologically advanced and more disconnected than ever before. And the way out is to go, it's not about me making the world exactly how I want it. It's about me listening and valuing someone else. The Bible uses this metaphor. You're a part of a body. The body needs each other to be whole. We need each other to be who God's called us to be. You can't be who God's called you to be all by yourself. You need the body. You need to be on a team. And the great thing is, when you're on a team, and when you serve a team, there's nothing better in life. Bill Russell, who was a great civil rights pioneer, one of the most successful athletes of all time, he was an 11-time NBA champion. Think about that, that's more than LeBron and MJ put together, 11-time champion, five-time MVP. He said this, a great teammate is someone who wakes up every day asking, how can I make my teammates better? Think about that in your life. How would your family be different if you woke up every day? How can I make my family better? How can I make my workplace better? How can I make my neighborhood better? How can I make my country better? We can do this if we will. Here's the last thing. We build on our strengths, not on our weaknesses. We build on our strengths. You say, well, what's a strength? Well, a strength is simply this. Your gift, applied effectively, benefits others and makes you feel strong. Here's what a strength is. It's your gift applied effectively, benefiting others, and it makes you feel strong. It's not just something that you're good at, it's something that gives you life. In fact, I said that word passion. The word passion, people say, well, Chad, you're passionate. What the word passion literally means is you care about it so much you're willing to suffer for it. See, when you care deeply about something, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like you're suffering, it feels like you're given an opportunity to use your gifts in a way that's incredibly fulfilling. So you build on your strengths. Now, when I talk about weakness, I'm not talking about moral weakness. I'm talking about a lack of ability. Obviously, moral weakness, we have to address and get right and, and do everything we can to grow in our character. But I found a lot of people go, I'm trying to be a balanced individual, so I'm gonna be good at everything. And they spend a lot of times working on their weakness. And in your area of weakness, you're limited in your ability to grow. So they spend all this energy and time and they're frustrated because they never seem to make any progress. But if you lean into the place where you're already strong, it's amazing how quickly and how incredibly you can grow in the areas that God's created you. Now, I think about my life personally before I pray for you. You know, I started out trying to figure out, God, I got these abilities and these gifts. How do you want me to use them? And I had all these plans and ideas. And I started to serve God and give my heart to him. He brought people into my life and said, well, you're kind of good at this, but you're not so good at that. And go over here and you're like, well, who are you to say that to me? Don't put me in a box. But I understood that wisdom and humility, that was God's grace to me, where people, he brought people into my life to lovingly direct me, and we want that for you. 
I started off to do sports journalism, then I realized that wasn't really it, and then I thought, well, maybe it's ministry, and I was like, well, what kind of ministry, and where does that look like? And I just said, hey, I can do this, I can do this, let me offer my gifts, and as I offered the gifts, the opportunities began to open up, not because in my willpower and my strength and self-determination, I plowed a path for myself, but as I humbly listened to God and said, God, I just wanna serve you, I just wanna honor you, I just wanna walk down the road, the path began to open as my heart began to change. See, when we talk about serve day, when we talk about growth track, when we talk about Discovery 101 and 201 and getting in small groups, we're not just trying to fill your life with busy programs. We're trying to create the relationships and the serving environment that helps you uniquely discern and discover the way that God made you to give you the encouragement and the people to help you walk that out. Every one of us has gifts from God and every one of us can grow in those gifts and use them in a powerful way. This is your birthright as a person, as a child of God, to have these gifts, to offer them back and to live a life of fulfillment and joy and service. Let's pray. Jesus, we sense your presence, we sense your power. Lord, you're the ultimate example. You are the servant who became great as you poured your life out for others. You didn't find your fulfillment from the applause of people. You found your fulfillment through the approval of our Father. Lord, that seems so distant, so far away. Lord, but help us to follow your pattern. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I thought you had a relationship with Jesus. I thought receiving Christ was about trying your best to watch services like this and do enough good stuff and be nice to people. And, and let me just tell you, let me set you free from that approach. That's exhausting. You'll never do enough to say, am I good enough to be loved and valued by God? That comes from accepting Jesus and his righteousness that comes as a gift. That's the first step, the most important step. If you've never received that step, that's your step today in discovering how God made you to receive Jesus as his son to bring you into the family. But if you've had that step, I wanna ask you this. Do you know what your gifts are? Are you using those gifts to serve others? Or are you stuck trying to find recognition and affirmation? We've all done it. We've all been there. But I don't want you to stay there. Jesus, I'm praying that you'd help each of us to become more and more who you created us to be. As you said in Colossians 3, that the true us is hidden in Christ. Let us look to you, let us learn from you, let us grow in our relationship with you so that we become everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out by texting us at 817-406-7470. Our team would love to pray with you and help any way that we can. If you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.